at the end of the epistle to the church at Philippi, chapter 4, verse 19, Paul expresses gratitude for their financial support of him. He expresses gratitude for their financial support of him. And he concludes by saying, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. So he thanks them, he says, according to his riches in glory, by Christ Jesus. And he thanks them and assures that because of their constant material support, God will recompense them according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Sister Cooper, notice that its need is singular. It's not plural. There's no S on it. And I've studied a lot of translations and a lot of uh, commentaries, and they will pluralize need. However, a closer examination reveals that the need which the Lord will supply to his people is singular. Paul doesn't say, my God shall supply all your needs, as in many. He says, all your need, as in one. Now, according to Greek definition, need is karia, karia, C-H-E-R-I-A, C-H-E-R-I-A, karia. It is a condition caused by the lack of something. Karia, need, the condition caused by the lack of something. So Paul addresses them collectively, which suggests that they all have the same need that needs to be supplied. They all have the same need. Notice this, though. He doesn't say, you blessed me financially, so the Lord will bless you financially. And I believe the reason he did not say this, and I'm going to listen to me very closely, and I hope you get this if you don't get anything else. The reason he did not say this is because contrary to popular opinion, The blessings of the Lord are not financial and the blessings of the Lord are not material. Financial blessings do not come from God. God does not give us money and God does not give us material things. I hope you get that. There's a whole bunch of Christian organized religions based on what God will give you, the material things that God will give you. God will not give you a dime. He won't give you a penny. God will not give you a house. God will not give you a car. God will not give you a job. God does not give money and material things. Financial increase is solely based on the principle of giving. Financial increase is based solely on the principle of giving. Now, you know, I never say anything that I cannot prove. Luke 6.38, Luke 6.38, I never, ever, I try really hard not to say anything that I cannot prove. In Luke 6.38, Jesus says, give, comma. He says, are you there yet? He says, give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down 
and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. Is that what it says? For the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. This is a definitive conditional statement. Jesus says, if you give, you shall receive. And he also says, from whom you shall receive. Notice he does not say, I will give into your bosom, does he, Elder? He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, I will give into your bosom. He says, men shall give into your bosom. And he reveals the principle that determines the quantity of what you shall receive. He says, for the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Simply stated, how much you give will determine how much you receive. How much you give will determine how much you receive. Folks don't seem to understand that. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Paul echoes the principle. He echoes the principle of the Lord. But this I say. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So, in plain words, if you give plenty, you shall receive plenty. If you give a little, you receive a little. If you give nothing, guess what? You receive nothing. And folks don't seem to understand that at all. The most selfish people are the ones that have nothing. And the most generous people have all they need. They have more than they need. They don't get the principle. Well, if I give, I won't have none for me. That's why you don't have. And it's interesting to note that it was the duty of the Christian church to support Paul financially. And while the Philippians were quite generous with their support, guess who was not? The Galatians were not. They were miserly. They were cheap. Galatians 6.6. 6. And this is what Paul says to them. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Is that what it says? Galatians 6, 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And then he tells you, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'd like to quote what one writer says. And this is what he says, and I quote. He who receives instruction in Christianity by the public preaching of the word should contribute to the support of the man who has dedicated himself to the work of the ministry and who gives up his time and his life to preach the gospel. It appears that some of the believers in Galatia could receive the Christian ministry without contributing to his support. This is both ungrateful and base. Can we suppose that it is just for any person to sit under the preaching of the gospel in order to grow wise unto salvation by it and not contribute to the support of the spiritual teacher? It is unjust. End quote. So the point here is that the blessings of the Lord are not financial. They cannot be measured in dollars and they cannot be purchased with dollars. You cannot buy your blessings. You got to give through your blessings 
and he's not going to give you a dime. Now we heard Paul say, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Shall is mandatory. Shall is mandatory, which means if you follow this principle, then it is guaranteed that the Lord will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So this leads us to ask two questions. What are his, uh, the, the riches of his glory? What is his riches and glory? And what need do we have that his riches and glory can supply? What need do we have that the riches that his riches in glory can supply? Mark 10:24. Mark 10:24 Jesus says children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? So we are not to trust in the riches of this world. So he's not talking about rich the riches of this world. Luke 16, 11, Luke 16, 11. He says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So he tells us there's a difference between the, the riches of this world and the true riches of God. Is this making sense to you? Therefore, true riches are not financial. Therefore, if we are not to trust in the riches of this world and true riches are not financial, then his riches, then the riches of his glory are spiritual. The riches of his glory are spiritual. Ephesians 3.14, Ephesians 3.14, Ephesians 3.14. The riches of his glory are spiritual. For this cause, Paul says, I bow my knees, my knees unto the Lord, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To do what, Paul? To be strengthened with might by his spirit, capital S, Holy Ghost. In the inner man, strengthen me in my soul, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here we can see who it is that has riches in glory and what his riches in glory are. The who is the Holy Ghost, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And out of his riches in glory comes things that do what? Strengthen the soul, Sister Glover. Out of his riches in glory come knowledge of spiritual things in the fourth dimension. What? Out of his riches in glory come knowledge of spiritual things in the fourth dimension. Yes, fourth dimension. In the third dimension in which we exist, there's breadth, there's length, and there's height. 
But in the fourth and spiritual dimension, there is depth. How do we know? Romans 11.33, Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. His wisdom and his knowledge is deep. It is in another completely different dimension. See, we're able to understand things in the fourth and spiritual dimension. How? Through the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We're able to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge because through Christ we have an intuitive comprehension of the deep things of God. And this ability to intuitively comprehend spiritual things comes from where? Guess. It comes from his riches in glory. Your ability to understand the word of God comes from his riches in glory. And you can't understand the word of God unless you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. I know that sounds very elitist or separatist, but it's absolutely true. Paul said it very well. The natural mind cannot comprehend the things of God. They are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritual. But his word is not hidden from everybody. It's not hidden from you. You can understand the word of God. He's made it possible for everyone to understand the word of God. And he revealed it to Peter. He revealed it to Peter in Acts 2.38. This is what you have to do if you want to understand the word of God. And if you don't do it, I don't care where you are, who you are, what you study. If you haven't done this, it is impossible for you to comprehend the word of God on a spiritual level. What you must do first, you must repent. You must accept and understand that you are a sinner and that you have a soul that is going to spend eternity somewhere. There's a part of you that will never die and that soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. So you've got to repent and recognize that, that if you ever lied, if you ever told one lie, then you're a sinner. And if you say you never lied, then you're lying because you're a sinner. Then what you have to do is you've got to be baptized. You've got to go down in the waters of baptism. You've got to go down. Someone's got to take you down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because he says in the name of. And the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. And the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So why do I have to go down in the water? Why do I have to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Because it was Jesus that hung on the cross. It was Jesus that suffered, bled, and died. It was Jesus that gave his body. It was Jesus that descended into hell. It was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus on the cross in our place and on our behalf. And that's for the remission of your sins. And when you go down in the waters, when you are baptized, when someone takes you down in the waters in the name of Jesus and you come up, every sin that you have ever committed has been wiped away. Every lie that you have ever told has been completely wiped away. And then what you do is you come into the sanctuary and you begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You say, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Why do you say that? Because you're praising God for what he just did for you. And then you begin to say, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then you feel something is stirring up inside of you. And you keep saying hallelujah. And then your tongue starts to stammer and you can't control your tongue. And you try to control your tongue but you just let go and all of a sudden you begin to hear the Holy Ghost speaking his words with your voice and when you start to speak in tongues you know that his power is in your house you now have the ability to understand spiritual things and that's the only way to be saved and if you don't repent of your sins if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus and if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost you cannot spend eternity in the presence of God you will spend eternity in the presence of the devil and his angels and that's the truth of the gospel 
If you hear anything else, it's an absolute lie. You've got to do more than just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You cannot just say, oh, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart and live in me. That does not work. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to go down in the waters of baptism. And you've got to have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues. And if anybody tells you anything else, that's a devil and a demon from hell. Thank you. Thank you, Noel. Now, we understand the things in the fourth dimension because we have an intuitive ability to understand the word of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. He's talking about the unsaved, folks that don't know. However, then he directs it toward us. But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received, here it comes, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why, Paul? Why have we received the Spirit which is of God? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And you know where these things come from. I'll tell you in just a minute. Which things also we speak, not in words which man teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. Yes, sir. So from his riches in glory come the wisdom and knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. The things that are freely given come, and the knowledge of things that are freely given come from his riches in glory. Yes. From his riches in glory come the Spirit of God by which we are able to understand the deep things of God. From his riches in glory, we are filled with all the fullness of Christ, who is the Holy Ghost. He's not only the Holy Ghost, he's the Spirit of God, and he is our teacher. Therefore, out of his riches in glory come the spiritual things that can supply all our need. Now, if his riches in glory is the source out of which come spiritual things, then the need that is supplied according to his riches and glory by Christ must be spiritual also, right? Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus is the expressed image of God. He's not the second person of the Trinity, by the way. He's the source from which the riches of his glory comes. His riches in glory comes. And Jesus is the only one who can supply our need according to his riches in glory. Jesus is the only one who can supply our need according to his riches in glory. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Why? Because I am the Father. So this means to access... To access his riches in glory comes only through Jesus. The only way to access his riches in glory is is through Jesus. He's the supplier of all our need. How does he do this? Luke 5.31. Is this making sense to you? Am I boring you? 
Luke 5.31 They that are whole need not a physician. But they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. So if you're righteous, he didn't come to, you're not sick anymore, right? That's what he's saying, isn't it? He said, I came not to call the righteous. They that are sick are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if you're a sinner, you're sick. And sickness is evidence of lack. And where there is lack, there is what? Need. Sickness is evidence of lack. And where there is lack, there is need. Why? Because need is a condition caused by the lack of something. Sickness is a lack of good health. And in the collective sense, the sick all have the same need. In the collective sense, the sick all have the same need. What need do all the sick have? have? What is that need that they all have? They need to be healed. Thus Jesus says sinners are like the sick in need of healing. For whereas the sick are in need of healing, sinners are in need of righteousness. Therefore, every human being on this planet is born, comes into this world with the same need, the need to be righteous. We all have the need to be healed from the sickness of unrighteousness caused by sin. Jesus came to heal the unrighteous sin sick soul. He's the great physician of the soul. And the remedy for the sickness of unrighteousness is what? Righteousness. There's only one remedy for the sickness of unrighteousness, and that is righteousness. So the need that is supplied according to his riches in glory is the need for righteousness. The need that is supplied according to his riches in glory is the need for righteousness. This is all our need. This is all our need. This is all our need. Well, why righteousness? Why do I need righteousness? Well, in the Greek, righteousness is diakasune. In the Greek, righteous is diakasune, D-I-K-A-I-O-S-U-N-E, diakasune, D-I-K-A-I-K-A-I-O-S-U-N-E, diakasune. Listen what it is. It's the state of one being as one ought to be. Diakasune, righteousness, the state of one being as one ought to be. Diakasune is conformity to the standard of God's being. That's why he says we'll conform to the image of his dear son. The first human being was created in righteousness. He was created the way he ought to be. The first human being was created in the image and likeness of God, which is righteousness. Righteousness was intended to be our eternal state of being. And this is why in the born again process, we are taken out of corruption and unrighteousness and we are born again into righteousness. That's why you must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you must have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost to receive the righteousness of God. There is no other way, elder, for anyone to receive the righteousness of God except they got to go to the corner of Acts 2 and 38. Righteousness is what we're righteous is what we're all supposed to be. Righteous is what we need to be. The Bible says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man. You put on the new man, which after God is created, how, Paul? In righteousness. The new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's Ephesians 4.22. Ephesians 4.22. So the old man is unrighteous, but the new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, that's something we need to understand. There's only, there's only one thing that separates us from God. There's only one thing that separates us from God. You know what that is? Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness separates us from God. That's the only thing that separates us from him. But the Bible says, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, and, more, and much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall one reign by life in Christ Jesus. So he says, you receive the gift of righteousness. How do I receive the gift of righteousness? Pastor, tell me, how do I receive the gift of righteousness? You got to repent of your sins. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you got to receive the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues. That's how you receive the gift of righteousness. Because he is the gift of righteousness. He's the righteousness in the gift, and he's the righteous gift. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made what? Righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. Why? That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through how? How, Paul? Through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What a marvelous plan. What a beautiful plan. And all you got to do is just accept Acts 2.38. That's all you got to do. And they make it so difficult. They make it so mysterious. All you got to do is repent. Lord, I'm a sinner. And then let somebody take you down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ and then receive the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And you're set for life. Matter of fact, you're set for all eternity. That's all you got to do. And they want to argue with you and fight with you and say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe all that's necessary. I believe God is good. And why would a good God send me to hell? God don't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell when you deny the gospel. When you refuse to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's only one place you can go, and that's to hell. You can either spend eternity with God and not in heaven because God never said, nobody ever, the Bible does not say we're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's a myth. But that's the only thing that, that you either, either you spend eternity with, with Christ or you go to hell. And, 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 he, and heaven, so-called heaven, is on earth. How do we know? Because John said, I saw the new Jerusalem doing what? Coming down to earth. So we're going to spend eternity on earth. How do we know? Because in Isaiah, God said, I did not create the earth in vain. He said, I created the earth to be inhabited. So if he created the earth to be inhabited, guess who's going to inhabit it? Us. I hope you got that. So out of, uh, out, of, out of his riches in glory, Jesus brought the gift of righteousness. And in order for the righteousness to come from him, it was necessary for him to be righteous. And by his righteousness, we are now made righteous through him. Christ demonstrated righteousness on the cross when he became obedient unto death. And by his obedience, by his righteous action, we are made righteous. 
For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. So our only need is the righteousness of God. Our only need is the righteousness of God. And Jesus tells us, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added. Because if you have the righteousness of God, then you have all you need and you lack nothing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added. Because if you have the righteousness of God, then you have all you need and you lack nothing. You are complete in him. When one is righteous, one is in right standing with God. There's no better feeling than to know you are in right standing with God. To know that I am right with God. Well, how do I know I'm right with God? Because I did what he said to be right with him. And when you're right standing with God, you have full access to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let me, let me, let me give you a little, uh, uh, little, some little, 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 little uh, 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 benefits to being righteous. You ready? Uh, now, I'm, I'll quote the scripture, but don't, you can just write it down, but don't go, you don't have to go look for it. I'll quote the scripture and you can just write it down if, if you want to make reference. Psalm 34, 15, Sister Cooper. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles. 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Not some of them, but all of them. 37.25, I have been young and now I am old and I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. 37.29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. 37.39, the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. Hmm. Mm, the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. 55.22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Proverbs 10.3, Proverbs 10.3, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. 10.30, the righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. 11.28, he that trusteth in his riches shall fall. He that, there's a lesson that, right there. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. 13.25, the righteous eateth to the satisfying of the soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. 15.6, in the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is much trouble. <laughs> 1810, Sister Swansea, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth in and they are safe. So in order to be in fellowship with the Lord, one must be righteous. The only, only the righteous shall see God. Israel was given the law because only by keeping the law could they be righteous. 
But Israel could not keep the law. And when Jesus came, they rejected the only means by which they could, the righteousness of God could be achieved. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believeth. You can only receive the righteousness of God if you believe it. And how do you know you believe it? Because you repented of your sins. You were baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you went down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And then you received the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. You received the righteousness of God. You received the Holy Ghost. And that proves that you believed it. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these shall live by them. That's Romans 10.3. But they couldn't keep the law, and neither can we. See, you cannot go without sinning. That's another benefit to being saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because as long as you're in this body of flesh, you're going to make mistakes. This body of flesh is going to do things that offend God. But the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of being saved is, is that the sins of your flesh cannot be charged to the account of your soul. You are separated from your flesh. Amen. That's the beauty of being saved and sanctified. Mm. For what the law could not do. So for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus... I'm getting ahead of myself. So they couldn't keep the law, neither could we. Therefore, by faith in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, we receive the righteousness of the law without keeping the law. We receive the righteousness of the law without keeping the law. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why Paul that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's Romans eight one. So we couldn't keep the law. And so we, because we can't keep the law, Jesus came and made it possible for us to be righteous without keeping the law. So what we must fully realize is what took place when we got saved. It was by our belief in the birth, the death, the burial, and res- resurrection of Jesus Christ that we were made righteous. We were made to conform to the image of God's dear son. Have you ever heard someone say, God isn't finished with me yet? Yeah. I, I'm a work in progress. God isn't finished What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? He said, it's finished. And Paul says, you are complete in him. So once you're baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost, he's finished with you. And you're complete in him. The work has been done. I'm a work in progress. No, you're not. Yeah, if you're not saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are. And it's just going to progress and get progressively worse. It won't get progressively better. I hope you got that. When Jesus hung on the cross, suffered, bled, and died, that's what he said. He said, it's, it's finished. The way to righteousness is, I've made it available. I, I, I suffered and died, gave my, gave my life for the sins of, of the world. So the way of salvation by faith is available to every living soul. And everyone who believes in the power of his body and his blood is complete and lacking nothing. Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him as righteousness. 
If you believe God, then his righteousness dwells in you, Sister Glover. And if the righteousness dwells in you, then your eternal need has been met and you are complete in him. If the righteousness of God dwells in you, then he will never forsake you and never leave you without strength. If the righteousness of God dwells in you, then the power of God is in your soul. If the righteousness of God dwells in you, he will not withhold any good thing from you. If the righteousness of God dwells in you, then death has lost its grip on your eternal soul. If the righteousness of God dwells in you, then you are pure in heart, for only the pure in heart shall see God. Jesus says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled huh the Holy Ghost is the righteousness of God which means if the righteousness of God dwells in you then you are full of the Holy Ghost say we're filled with all the fullness filled with with the fullness you have a righteous relationship with God You can call on him at any time. Doesn't matter where you are. You can call on him at any time. And I tell you all the time, speak in that language that he's given you. When you're feeling down, speak in that language. I speak in tongues all the time. You know why? Because when I'm speaking in tongues, my soul is speaking directly to God. I'm speaking to him. And and the Bible tells us, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Scripture says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Because sometimes... Sometimes things can come at you so sideways that, that you all you can do is speak in tongues. And you can do it anywhere. Well, you don't do it in the store out loud. Folks think you're crazy. But you can speak in tongues. You, you don't even have to use your lips. Just speak in tongues in your mind because that's your soul. And you are immediately strengthened. Immediately are you, are given, you are edified. Why? Because you're communing with God. It's you and God, just your soul and God communing. So the Holy Ghost is the righteousness of God. You have a relationship with him. The Holy Ghost is God, our righteousness. And he is the God that shall supply all our need according to his riches, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He is the God that shall supply all our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I hope you understand now. We only have one need. We need to be righteous. And he took care of that need on the cross. And then, this is what we look for. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you.